that to the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand cup of praise tonight. Hallelujah. It is good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. It is always an honor and a privilege to be in God's house. I look forward to this. Each and every time we get to come through those doors, we ought to look forward to it. Praise God. I want to go to the, if you will, turn to the book of James, first chapter. I'm going to start in verse 21. I'm going to read through 25. While you're getting there, I want to give honor to Brother Stevenson for allowing me to teach to you tonight. I do appreciate him. We love our pastor, don't we? Amen. We love him and his family dearly. It is truly an honor and a privilege, and I want to give honor to each of you my church family as well. James, the first chapter, verses 21 through 25. It says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. I want to teach to you tonight, and I don't figure I'll probably get a whole lot of amens, but nevertheless, I'm going to preach to you on a, on a subject, living the word. Living the word. If you would, put your Bibles away just a second. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, my God and my Savior, Lord. We lift you up tonight and we glorify you. God, I pray that you would just let these words fall upon good ground, God. I pray that you would anoint me to speak forth the words that you would have me to say, O oh God. Lord, and I pray that, Lord God, that we would use this and apply this to each and every one of our lives, God. Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Church, if there was ever a day and an hour that it is time for each and every one of us to get serious about the things of God. It's now. If there was ever a day and an hour that we need to seek this word of God for everything that we go about our daily routines, it's today. If there has ever been a time that we should study this word and apply it to our lives, is now. It's not the time to play church. It's time to be the church. When we look at this first scripture in the 21st verse, it says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receipt with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. There are two commands given here in this scripture. First part tells us to lay apart all filthiness and impurities of the body and the mind that would bring forth death. That superfluity of naughtiness is translated into abundance of wickedness or abundance of evil. 
And it's time that we lay apart all of the filthiness and the abundance of evil and the wickedness that could bring forth death upon our lives. And the word of God either preached or taught cannot effectively take hold of a person's life if he or she is not separated from the moral filth and evil of this world. God commands us to set aside all the ungodly filth, the uncleanness that infiltrates this corrupt society in which we live and it seeks to influence us and our families. This filth will completely defile people's soul. Scripture tells us and is very clear on what is wrong for God's people. We must not engage in any kind of impurity or obscenity. We have got to be aware that allowing any kind of moral filth into our lives or our homes, whether it be from allowing things such as obscene language in our homes or whether we allow things through any type of of media, anything that would violate God's standards for his people, we need to be aware of and pay attention to what's going on. God's word warns us in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, and let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience be not ye therefore partakers with them we must take righteousness and holiness seriously our homes need to be swept clean and filled with God's word well I used to, a long time ago I preached a message to get your house in order and as you can imagine I probably didn't get a whole lot of amens in that one either but and I took my, my text from Second Kings chapter 20 when it's talking about Hezekiah who was deathly ill and prophet Isaiah told him to set thine house in order. One of the analogies that I gave was we take our daily lives in our houses and even though our houses are set up pretty tight and, and secure, there are little, little dust that slip in through the windows or maybe through the doors and such as that. And it doesn't seem like a very big deal at that time that those little things are kind of slipping in. But if you let those little things stack up, it becomes something major. It, you know, Song of Solomon talks about the little foxes that spoil the vines. It's the little things, the little seemingly insignificant things that if they are left unattended, that can cause you the greatest harm. The second part of that 21st verse says that we should receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. The word engrafted in the Greek means implanted. And this would imply that the word of God must become part of our very nature. The word of God planted within us will and has revealed the plan of salvation of which each and every one of us in here I'm quite sure is very familiar with, with the repentance and the, the, the water baptism by immersion in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. 
with the evidence of speaking in another tongue, but it doesn't stop right there. Matter of fact, that's only the beginning of the revelations that it will give you. It's also going to teach you how you need to act, how you need to talk, how you need to live your daily lives. And then when you read that and you have that revelation, it doesn't stop just there because you have to take those words and then apply it to your daily lives or you've actually done nothing but gained a little knowledge. Church, if there was ever a time we've got to be doers and not hearers, we're there. 22nd verse, the first chapter of James says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. There are many people who have deceived their own selves, unfortunately, into thinking that they are saved when they're just not. And we all know that we must plan, we must follow that plan of salvation, as the scripture states. We know that. And we would think that this world would have a pretty good idea that that's the case, but you would be surprised and amazed, maybe you wouldn't be, at the people who still don't know that. People in this parish who may be confused, if you will. But there are people all over the place who think in their minds that they're saved. They've been stuck in tradition. That's how mom and daddy did it, and that's how grandma and grandpa did it, and yet they never sought the word of God for themselves. And yet there they are, lost and don't know it, and it is left up to us, church, To instill in them what this word says. I'm going to tell you what. Throughout this whole preparation of this lesson, I have been burdened down tremendously. Not just for some of my own personal family, but for just lost souls in general. Church, this is how we're going to be judged by this word. What is in between these two bindings is what we will be judged by. Whether it be we take our last breath or whether the Lord comes, whichever comes first, at some given point, we will stand before God. And this will be what we're judged about. We're not going to be, it, it, you can't pick and choose what you want out of here. This is not a box of Skittles where you like just the reds and the greens and you tow the rest of them in the trash. We have to take it as it is, as it is stated on these pages. But we've got to go beyond that. The devil himself knows this word. And he's just as lost as he can be. We know that. So if all we do is know this word and never apply it to our lives, are we any different? Matthew seven twenty two through 23 says that many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and in thy name have cast out devils? 
Then I named done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That has got to be the most horrific statement that I could ever imagine in my mind that I could ever hear. We all want to hear that well done. We don't want to hear that depart from me, but what are we doing? The scripture tells us plainly that there will be many who will minister in his name and believe they are servants, yet in reality he never knew them. To escape this deceit of the last days that we're living in, we must be totally committed to the truth and righteousness in God's word. Revelations 22 and 19 says, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. We cannot have a careless attitude towards this word of God or any part of God's scripture. And we reveal this kind of attitude if we choose to believe only certain parts of it and reject the parts that we don't like or if we teach our own ideas, we've got to take this word of God as a whole with absolute seriousness because it is a matter of life and death. 2 Corinthians 11 and 14 tells us that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You've got to be aware and cautious of those who teach false doctrines Stick to the truth of this word and do not be drawn into the adversary's trickery and deceit. The enemy will have you believing, well, you don't have to do all that. It don't take all of that. Does it? I heard Brother Stevenson make mention of it and made a statement here a little while back, and I've heard it in previous years, and I, I agree wholeheartedly. I'd rather make heaven by a mile than miss it by an inch. It is never enough to just hear the word. We've got to do it. 23rd verse through the 25th verse, for it says, For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If you kind of look into a mirror, just imagine this, that you're looking into a mirror and you're staring at yourself. If you look at yourself long enough, you're probably going to see some abnormalities or maybe some flaws, maybe some things that you would like to improve on on yourself. But immediately when you step aside away from that mirror or you take that mirror away, you soon forget what flaws that you might have seen or any abnormalities that you might have had in front of you that was fresh on your mind. And the truth that is preached and taught is kind of like that mirror. As long as you're at church 
and you're hearing the word preached or, or taught, you feel those convictions, you see those flaws that you have in your life and that each of us have, and, and, and we begin to think things that we need to do differently in our own personal lives. However, when the preaching is over and the teaching is over, and we go through those doors and we go home and we go about our daily routines of, of going to work and, and what, what have you, whatever it is that you do, it's like that mirror being removed. My fear is, is that at some given points there'll be, when that mirror is removed, that you don't remember those convictions. You don't remember those things you need to improve on in your life. And if you don't carry it with you and apply it, they'll soon be forgotten about. Until the next time that you come into the house of God. You see, it's not the hearing of a good sermon or a Bible study that makes you grow. It's, it's not just the hearing. It's, it's the, the doing that brings forth the growth. There's several mistakes that we, we often make. We many times just glance at ourselves, but we don't really carefully study ourselves. We forget what we see in that mirror and However, if we look deeply within ourselves, we'll, we will remember those images. And I do believe that we all have a desire to change. Some fail to obey what the world word tells them to do, and their mistake is to think that hearing is the same as doing, and it's just not. It's just not. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We must not conform to this world. We must proclaim truth and righteousness, the righteous standards of God's word. We have got to love what is righteous and hate that is evil. We've got to refuse to submit to the various types of worldliness that surrounds us. And we've got to have our minds conformed to God's way of thinking by reading and studying and meditating on this word. We have to have our plans determined by these heavenly truths right here and not by the corrupt society in which we live. Church is time that we practice what we proclaim. Every day. Every day we need to wake up with it on our minds fresh. I'm going to do better. I'm preaching to me. I, I'm, this is not just pointed at y'all, I assure you. Every Bible study or every sermon that I have ever either whether taught or preached comes out of the abundance 
of what I'm studying for myself. Things that I've faced. Things that maybe I have struggled with. We have got to apply this truth that we believe, and I love this truth. I hold it dear to my soul. I love it. But we have got to apply it every single day. And as we apply it to our lives, we need to share it with others. And there are several ways that we can share this with others. It could be in our speech. You know, we we would be very smart to watch what we say and how we say it. Now, I have been guilty, and I have not mastered this yet. I'm just to be honest with you, and I, my wife is probably sitting back there shaking her head. I've not mastered this. Because many times when it comes here, I think it needs to come out there, and it should filter at some given point sometimes it just doesn't work that way. Then I have to ask for forgiveness. And that's when I ask for forgiveness, that whoever I'm asking for forgiveness, it would be great if they'd forgive me. But we need to uplift each other. We need to encourage one another. And another way we can share it with others is we need to have a servant's attitude. We need to have a genuine love for those in need. And we need to spread this gospel to this world. Witness to everybody we possibly can. Because time is getting short. I think we all know that. And the ones of us who don't are probably saying, well, I've heard that all my life. You know, well, I have too. The one thing I can guarantee you, we're closer now than we ever have been. And then we have got to remain a separation from this world. We have got to keep ourselves holy before God, unspotted from the world. We need to have a love for others which is accompanied by holiness before God. We must maintain that separation from the world and we must not be drawn into worldly pleasures the Bible is very clear in 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 to come out from among them and be ye separate saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you James 4 and 4 says ye adulterers and adulteresses know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God Whoever, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Friendship of the world is kind of like a spiritual adultery and an unfaithfulness to God. It's like holding on to the world's values and pleasures. And Jesus will not accept such a friendship because he is a jealous God. And our lives need to coincide with God's word. You know, Jesus said in, unto him in Matthew twenty two thirty seven and 40, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. 
And the second is like unto it that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. So Jesus has got to be first. He'll not be second. He's got to be first in each and every one of our lives. And then it says that we must love our neighbors as thyself. That one may be a little tough at times. Because some of us in this place right now struggle with the last part before we could ever love our neighbors. You're supposed to love your neighbors as yourself. It's hard to do so when you don't even love yourself. You've got to first love yourself, then love your neighbors, and show them the love. And this by no means is any complete list, because if we were to give a, a list and, and teach and talk about the things that you must do to apply to your lives, living for God, we could do a series that lasts probably from now till we pass from this world. But these are a few things that I just just picked out that that stood to me personally. Number one, we've got to have faith. That's plain and simple because it, it the word of God in Hebrews eleven six it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek to him. We have to have faith. We all know that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I broke that down at one point in time, I think good some, some time back. And faith is this substance, which substance in the Greek, it means confidence. Of things hoped for, hoped for means to expect. So faith is the confidence of things to expect. You first got to expect something, and then you've got to have the confidence in your expectation. That's what faith is. The second one that I wrote down is prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says, Pray without ceasing. Luke 18 and 1 says, And he spake a parable unto them, this end, that men ought always to pray. We've got to have that prayer from mindset at all given times. Even at work. You say, well, I, you know, I've got to have my mind on my work. I've got to do my job. I understand that. But you can have a prayer from mindset. You know, years ago, I was, when I was in the oil, oil field, my office was in Shreveport. And I won't ever forget this as long as I live, but it was probably the most convicting thing that I have ever witnessed. Our office and, and warehouse and shop was covered over a period of probably 10 or 15 acres. Right beside us was a distribution center, which was a huge warehouse in itself. And right next to us at that distribution center, there were trucks, tractor and trailers, 18-wheelers coming in and out continuously, bringing loads in, picking up loads, and going. I had stepped out of my office, and I had walked to the little porch there and was just getting some fresh air. 
And I looked across over here at this distribution center and I saw this 18-wheeler coming, coming towards our shop. There were a huge parking lot. And this gentleman stopped his 18-wheeler right in the middle of this parking lot. Set the brakes on it. And I'm thinking, what is this guy doing? I mean, he's going to be right in the way of everybody. And there's trucks and trailers coming in there out all the time. He set the brakes without a care in the world. Opened the door of that big truck. Stepped out of the truck with a little rug under his arm. Walked around to the front of the truck and laid this little rug on the concrete of this parking lot. Got on his knees and began to pray. Now, if you haven't quite figured it out yet, he wasn't praying to our God. He was praying to a God who could never save him, who has never done anything for him. But yet it was at that appointed time when he was supposed to pray. And it did not matter where he was or who it inconvenienced. There were trucks that were having to drive around his truck who were, it was making their life miserable. He did not care. He had that much of a dedication and a boldness praying to a God that doesn't exist. You want to talk about conviction. Now, I pray a lot, but I have never prayed where it inconvenienced people, where I was going to pray regardless, no matter what, no matter where I was or the situation. This guy was a Muslim guy. And I knew that. And there are certain times of the day that they will shut everything down and pray. Regardless. And if you will study some of that, and over in, in their countries, they have prayer rooms at the airports. In the hotel rooms, they have the little rugs that are already there for them that they can pull out and lay down and pray at those appointed times. Now, if that man can do that to a God who doesn't exist, who can't even save his own soul, how much more could I do? Me. How much more boldness could I have to pray for the, the God that saved my soul, that really could save me and did? The conviction fell upon me so strong I will never in my life forget about that. Ever. That is forever etched in my mind. We've got to have prayer in our lives. That is an absolute must. The next one I'm just going to cover over briefly, and this is not a popular subject on this one either. Fasting. Now, when I read the scripture, 
in Matthew 6 and 16. It says, moreover, when ye fast. Now, I'm not the most intelligent person in the world, but I'm not the dumbest one either. But when that says, when ye fast, I don't see where it says, if ye fast. It says, when. So it's under the assumption that at some point that you're going to fast. I get it. I love to eat just as much as anybody else, and I know you can probably tell it. I, I mean, we're, we're the type of people that when we go on vacations, I am convinced that we only go on vacations just to eat at a different town because that's all we do. I love to eat. But I also know the importance of fasting. You know, there's a story over in the ninth chapter of the book of Mark that talks about a man who had a boy that had a dumb spirit, what the Bible says. Now, that dumb spirit is translated in that text as a mute. He was mute. But when it would come upon him, it would throw him to the ground. He would kind of go into convulsions and foam at the mouth. And, and uh, he came to Jesus and, and told him that he had went to his disciples and they couldn't cast it out. And of course, I believe that, you know, Jesus gave him a pretty stiff rebuke at that point. Anyhow, Jesus delivered the, the boy. He had been like that since a child, it said. And then when they got inside, the disciples asked him, you know, why, why couldn't we do this? And Jesus said that this kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. There are some things in your, in your life Answers that you may be seeking for. Deliverances that you want to see done. Levels that you want to reach in your daily walk with God or your ministry that God has given in your lives. And some of those things will not come but by prayer and fasting. And I know this is just a teaching, but I felt some stuff in the Holy Ghost right then. And I know good and well that there are things, people in this, within the sound of my voice, in this place right now, that if you do not fast and pray, it will not happen. I'm just telling you what I feel impressed by the Holy Ghost. It's not going to happen unless you fast and pray. Here's another one. Holiness. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. 
Bible always also says in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 7, For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. I'm not going to overstep any boundaries there. I'm just going to say you need to have inward and outward holiness. Forgiveness, I don't think that I could even scratch the surface on that one. Brother Stevenson's already covered all of that about forgiveness. I went home with sore toes more than once on that. But I needed it. And I'm thankful for it. We've got to follow these things, church. They're not popular. But I've never sought to be popular. My only goal is to do everything I can to continue this walk with God, to grow stronger, to have a better relationship with Him on a daily basis. And in the process, bring as many people as I can with me. That is my ultimate goal. And I know I've got to apply this word, every bit of it, to my life to ensure on a daily basis that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. We cannot be caught up in the things of this world Matthew 6, 19 and through 21 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your heart is, there will your treasure be. Or where your treasure is, there will your heart be. I'm sorry. This world is not a home. I, I, I just got brought to my memory that, that old song. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. If I could sing it, I probably would. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Let us not be caught up in the things of this world, but let us wrap our minds and our hearts and our souls around the things of God, apply it to our lives, and then help as many people as we can while we're still here. I know it's pretty quiet, and it's been some pretty tough Speaking upon my part, it's not something that you just, it's, it's needed, but it's, it's not very desirable for a person to, to speak on. As I'm coming to a close, let me lighten it up just a little bit. I'm going to tell on him, and then when he gets back in here, 
for church, y'all can laugh at him. Caleb, when he was a small boy, we used to sing this song. And me and my wife had overheard him and didn't know if that's really what he was saying or not. But as we listened closer, he got most of it right. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. The treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. But then he had a hiccup. Because instead of the angels beckoning me from heaven's open door, he sat back there in his car seat and he sang, The angels threatened me from heaven's open door. Maybe that's the reason why he's still living for God. Maybe those angels have threatened him enough to That's just a funny little memory that I had about that song. The church, if you will, stand with me. I'm fixing to turn this back over to Brother Stevenson. But let us get serious about the things of God. Let us apply these things of God to our lives. And let us get some boldness in the Holy Ghost. We hold some treasures. This is a treasure. And we ought to be loud and proud about it. Praise God.